Welcome to the Arena Deckless Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. And last week we talked about modern. This week we're also going to take a little divergence from standard and talk about historic because Kaladesh Remaster just hit Arena and Amonkhet Remaster was pretty inf- impactful, but I think this is going to be the most impactful thing to ever happen to the format. Interesting. I don't know if I'm on board with that assessment because there's a couple of weird things going on, right? Like when we did Amonkhet Remastered, we added a lot of random stuff and a lot of that stuff proved to be very, very important. The thing that comes to mind most is like Collected Company as a really impactful print. I think in terms of like the core sets, I would agree with the assessment that Kaladesh was kind of where things really started getting messed up before things got really, really messed up. Uh, in this past year. So it's interesting to go back and look at this set again. I don't know if when all is said and done, it's going to hit as hard as Amonkhet. And even like, can make a really good case for Jumpstart too, even if it was only for like the weird messed up fringes of that format, but they were very impactful on shaping the identity of Historic, even if they didn't shape like the total card counts and like how many cards really mattered. So Historic's a weird format. It's, It's hard to assess in very traditional metrics, but I agree with you that this is impactful, and there's a lot of good cards here that are going to matter, and we found a pretty hearty list of cards to talk about today. Yeah, we're going to start with an unofficial top 10, basically like the 10 cards that I'm almost certain are going to make an impact, uh, but not really ranked in any particular order since, you know, why? It's not super relevant. And then, yeah, there's also just a laundry list of things that are cool that can also spawn new decks or improve like some tier two, tier three stuff. Yeah. And I think that's what you're hoping for when you go into a set like this and you don't want the real dramatic outliers, the Muxasai, or I guess Muxus was the only thing that like really was a hard fundamental shakeup. Although long-term Muxus was good. For historic and create a lot of excitement for the format. So I, I, I'm glad that card exists, which is but not, a weird not, thing. not in a good way. Not in a good way, man. I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true because it, it was like a really good entry point for people who kind of finding their legs in these older formats. And it was very linear. It gave people a chance to play the game while they learned everything going on around it. And I think having those introduction points to a format that you're just trying to launch can be really, really valuable. So I understand the frustration of playing against the card, but I can make an argument that its existence was actually a net benefit to Historic really getting its feet under it. Because remember, this format languished for a long time. Like it didn't have a lot of excitement behind it. And kind of, I feel like when the excitement started peaking was when Jumpstart happened. I agree with that. I just disagree with the premise that, you know, killing your opponent turn three on the play is like a good introduction to any format. You know, it's like you're not you're not you're getting to play games technically, but it's not like, oh, wow, I killed my opponent on turn three. I really learned a lot about that game in this format. You know, look, people love rolling the dice. They love the high roll moments. And boy, do I have some good news for you if that's what you're into when it comes to playing Magic the Gathering. Okay, let's talk about energy. Yeah. When we solicited folks for question of the week, I think the most common one by far was Aetherworks Marvel and just how that card is going to impact the format, whether it will be good or not. If it is going to be good, how good is it going to be? We kind of went through this already with Pioneer. Obviously, things are a lot different for Historic, but in the absence of things like Smuggler's Copter, 
like they, they made a conscious choice to exclude cards that they just didn't want to be in historic, right? So again, why is this card on the list? It's a weird one. And I, I can't make a good case for this being a positive thing for the format. Because if you remember when Etherworks Marvel was banned, and this was at a time when bans were far less common than they were now. And it was still a big deal for a card to get banned. And the decision to ban Etherworks Marvel was waffled about for such an extended period of time that would never fly today. But the main thing that caused that Are you sure? (laughs) Oko didn't get banned for a while. Uro didn't get banned for a while. That's true, like months, but I feel like Marvel made it a full set, didn't it? Uh, it was it was there for a very long time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, granted, Oko lasted for too long, but it was a shorter period than we had to deal with Marvel, and I, I don't think we'd ever experience a period like that that again Marvel, when it comes to a card like Marvel. Marvel made it through a rotation, man. That's just mind blowing because the the biggest problem with this card was that it was miserable to play against. There was nothing fun about playing games of magic when Etherworks Marvel was involved. Generally, while it was in standard, it was used to find Ulamog. It ended the game on the spot and there wasn't much counterplay just because of the way Etherworks Marvel works. And the game just came about fueling your Marvel. And that's all you did. You spun the wheel and you found out the result and people hated it. And there was evidence that the deck was medium. It was like a 50% deck. And that's what kept it from being banned for a very long period of time. It didn't matter at all. It should have been banned long before that because the play pattern is terrible. And that's what really makes me question its inclusion here. Not really a concern about power level because like you said, we saw this in Pioneer. And I think Marvel has a much better chance when it comes to Historic because it lines up a little bit better. The format's a little bit more compact and I think less powerful, even if there are some very dramatic power outliers. But on the whole, I would I would classify the format as less powerful. So it, it's got a chance, but I'm not yet concerned about it. I just don't want to play against it. That's the big problem I have. Yeah, I would be fine to play it myself, but that's that's where it ends. You know, it's like I, I can do this thing. I think that's fine. But I, I certainly don't want to play against it either. It's just, it's weird to me when the argument that Wizards made around the time of Aetherworks Marvel was that the win rates were not very good. And it seemed very almost condescending in the uh, write-up that they did for when they banned it, where it was like, you know, the win rate's not good. Everything points to Marvel not being a good deck, but like y'all are complaining. So fine, we'll ban it, you know? Mm-hmm. And... A lot of the same stuff happened with Omnath, I think, at, at least like at first, at first. Right. Yes. And then it was like, OK, well, now it's in this adventure deck and it is actually like really good. But uh, even around Omnath, they pointed towards, you know, win rates not being very good for the deck or whatever. They, so they they keep doing that and then they keep having to ban things anyway because people don't enjoy playing against them. And you know, granted, Omnath did end up being very, very good, but still. And now it's just like, yeah, let's let's have another go with it. Let's let's try Marvel again. And it's like, eh, it kind of like Mux is like, if if this is a part of the format, I don't I don't think people are really going to enjoy it that much, you know. And and I would agree with you, but I I'm just wondering if there's some evidence to the contrary. And we are not the typical arena player at this point, and you just have to always contemplate that and. I think I would still make the case that there's not enough upside here, 
But I have a feeling that there's some data that says the contrary because we keep doing this thing. We keep doing the reveal this top X cards and see what you hit. We do it over and over now. It's become commonplace in Magic. Kind of started its reign of competitive terror, terror with Collected Company. But you know, you can go to Turn Timber Symbiosis. You can go to a Winota. There's just been dozens and dozens of these effects that we keep playing with. Somebody likes them. I promise you that. And they're, they're testing highly somewhere. Uh, I have not seen that data. <laughs> so I'm not sure. Me neither. Me neither. But otherwise, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, you yeah. hear the complaint very loudly. Like, this is variance incarnate. And it feels miserable to just get blown out on turn four with these effects. But we keep doing it over and over. So somebody likes it. Here's the thing, though. How much worse would this set sell if Marvel was not in it? I don't have an answer to that. It doesn't seem like it should matter. It really doesn't. Like, I, I can't imagine this is the Hallmark card that everyone's signing up for. But yeah. hold on now. I've, I've got to fight against that for a second. Because you just said, when you go to our Discord, this is the question everyone has. So, like, is there such a thing as bad press? Do you just want to generate conversation? Do you want people talking about the card and contemplating whether it's good? Because if you want to find out if Etherworks Marvel is good... Well, get your Mythic Wild cards ready and and buy a whole bunch of the other surrounding stuff because it's extremely parasitic. So you're going to need all the cards that go well with Marvel, be it Ulamog or whatever payoff you want to search for. They're they're all there. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it does sell cards. So there there is a lot of discourse surrounding this. However, if it were not present, I feel like the discourse would be on. You know, something else scrap scrap heap scrounger or whatever and maybe that's less exciting you know or it's more up in the air as far as what sort of impact it's going to have and marvel is unique in that it it's had this very tumultuous history right 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 so sure it is it, it is a conversation starter you know but i feel like at the end of the day that's not necessarily selling packs or like getting people excited like we have you know 30 cards to talk about today, right? It's not even just this. And if it, even if it wasn't Marvel, maybe it would just be the energy mechanic as a whole. You know, like, is Rogue Refiner busted? Yeah, right? I mean, Teamer Energy was banned too, right? So it, it has the same kind of precedent of being cards that certainly raise people's ire and their alerts when they see. So it's a weird spot. If I were designing this set, I would have skipped it. I just don't, I don't think the value is there. I agree with you, but I can also make the opposite argument if you force me to. And I'm sure someone did. And that's how we got to this point, because obviously cards were removed from this set. We're going to talk about that later on, but it, it was something on the table and it wasn't applied with this card. Well, uh, the, the point that I guess I can make to maybe drive this home is that if they are working towards Pioneer on Arena then the inclusion of this makes sense because it is a card that is legal in Pioneer. Okay. Right. Whereas like Smuggler's Copter is not. Right. So right. maybe so even- if that's what's shaping our decisions at this point. It's so yeah. weird though. I, I, I feel like a broken record and it's a weird thing. Like I've been doing content creation for a long time now and I'm starting to become like a veteran and I feel like all the things I say, I've said at some point in the past and I'm just constantly repeating myself, but I'm going to say it again. Pioneer historic as a split, it doesn't make sense anymore. They're so diametrically opposed and only one of them needs to exist. And having both on arena makes no sense to me whatsoever. Let historic be its own thing. 
kill Pioneer, wrap it up. Nobody cares anymore. You tried and you you kind of ate all the momentum it had. And also you caught a bad break with COVID. I mean, I think like Pioneer could have generated some momentum in a lot of ways, but I, I would there, just- There would have been more Grand Prix and things yes, like that. You know, absolutely. But I would just, at this point, it's a good time to redefine and just wrap everything under the historic banner and sell. go ahead and sell your historic anthologies and paper. Like there's another product you can sell and you know they're hungry for products. Make it as a secret layer if you want and do the historic anthologies and ship that out. So there's money to be made in consolidating the formats just like- there is in having two separate formats. And I think the player base would appreciate the clarity of just having the one thing to focus on. As odd as it would be, I I agree with you. I think they should just scrap pioneer, make it historic, and then actually decide on what you want historic to be. If it is maybe in the next five years, work it into towards modern, you know, like getting a lot of that card pool onto arena or whatever, or if you just want it to be contained, have it be contained, you know? And then, yeah, like you said, sell sell historic masters uh, in real life or whatever. And this is the weird part. Just start running historic, which is like an arena-only format on Magic Online and just kill Pioneer. You know, yep. if people want to play it on that platform, cool. I think so. I think that's the right move. And I, I also like, I'm very cautious of moves like this because one of the big things you have to be doing presently after the tumultuous last year is respecting people's investments. And I think this is a safe enough move that people who have bought into Pioneer as a format won't feel burned by it. I think there's enough overlap. And if you were able to launch this format, I think you're probably creating value for people who made large Pioneer investments. And as opposed to just letting the format rot and wither on the vine, which is what it feels like it's doing now. So for maybe not the majority, but definitely for a decent chunk of the card pool, I think it is. The, the equity increases because you can then have historic tournaments in real life when that stuff comes back. Yes. Like those paper historic cards then become worth money. So you're not losing out on like your pioneer collection or whatever. I so I, I think it would be fine. Well, we're on the same page there, but nobody listens to us. So I guess we'll just keep going with these two formats. Correct. Uh, my final verdict on Aetherworks Marvel is that it is going to be good, not great. One of the things that uh, has kind of held it down in Pioneer is the fact that like there is a, a decent amount of like interaction and disruption and even things like hate cards like Graftaker's Cage exist yeah. in Historic and Historic is also positioned in a place where the control decks play Graftaker's Cage main deck you know in, in the case of Azorius and Thoughtseize is, is a thing obviously so Marvel has a lot working against it in these sorts of formats. That said, it's still obviously very powerful. So I would not be surprised for it to be a part of the format. And if nothing else, the energy package is going to show up somewhere. Yeah, my concern about Marvel is that as a self-contained entity, Marvel is on pace with 2020 Magic. The support cards are not. Like Rogue Refiner versus Uro, it it just doesn't track well for Rogue Refiner. Play them both. Yeah, you, you can play both. You probably have to. Um, but there's a lot of other, like, are you playing Puzzle Knots? Are you playing Attune with Ether? And all these cards, they were fine in the context of, like, that era of power, but 2020 is a different beast. So Yeah, I think, they're, they're all pretty bad. Yeah, I think Marvel has potential, but you're giving up a lot to go down this road, so you have to make sure you're getting paid hard enough. And like you said, there's good ways to stop the payment already being played in Historic. So 
I am medium on Marvel. I'm not saying it's got no chance. I'm saying it probably just can't be an all-in combo deck where you're looking to hit Ulamog as soon as possible. So there, there's got to be a B plan, and I don't think Rogue Refiner is good enough. So maybe it's just another Uro deck, and it's like a control win condition or something along those lines. I'm interested to see what you can do with it, but it, it's not going to storm the format at first, is my read. Fair. What about the rest of the energy stuff? Like, you know, Teamer Energy or Sultai or having Aether Hub, Siphoner, uh, Aether Sphere Harvester in Mono Black Aggro or something. So Siphoner is maybe the one exception, but on the whole, I'm very low on the energy cards. I just think they are so parasitic and you reduce your card quality so much by leaning into the package that you're you're damning yourself when you're trying to keep up with current power level. Something like Teamer Energy doesn't seem like it will track all that well. Uh, I guess I would also say Bristling Hydra I could put in that same category of a card that just on its face is a fine magic card. That's what you're going to need to see energy cards succeed in this format. So I buy Siphoner, I buy Hydra. I don't buy using like Harness Lightning as your <laughs> removal spell and then right. Dynavolt Tower and even Rogue Refiner. These, these are just not good enough cards. So self-contained stuff, good. Whole packages not going to do much in historic is my my guess. Cool. Uh, next up, we have Fatal Push. We have Blood Chief's Thirst, which is close, but I think pound for pound, unless you are specifically worried about bigger Planeswalkers, Fatal Push is just the stronger card. Agreed. And this has been like a focal point of the Pioneer format. So it arriving in historic means these mono black aggro decks now have a very real chance. They picked up multiple tools in this set. And I think that is a uh, deck that has floated around like tier two, tier 2.5 in historic and hasn't quite gotten there. And a lot of it was just missing fatal push thoughts use. And now it's there. I expect this deck to firmly slot itself into tier 1.5, tier one ish when the moment's right. Yeah, also you have things like the the Sultai Control deck that was playing, you know, Eliminate and Heartless Act and stuff like that. Eliminate obviously has a lot of versatility when things like Narset are in the format, but yep. this could potentially make things like that a little bit more palatable too. Mana efficiency is everything when you get to these older formats and just being able to still advance your battlefield while answering an opposing threat. Real big deal. Fatal Push will change the dynamic of the mono black aggro decks for sure. Winding Constrictor. This effect's becoming redundant now. I mean, we have multiple ways so to, many. to do this counters thing. As a fair deck, I'm less than impressed with it. Again, I would just focus on hard disruption and like consistency and all of your cards being good, which makes something like Mono Black more appealing as an aggressive deck. And I don't think you want to do like mid-range-ish green black aggro built on winding constrictor kind of resembling what the deck was in Kaladesh standard that's not what i want to try and do but if you can go hard on these synergies and do things like the ozolith or find ways to go infinite with these combos that's what you should be looking to do and the more and more copies of this effect we find the more apt that is going to be to happen at some point we'll get hardened scales in the format and and that will start happening as well so these are certainly very, very playable effects. And there's some of the pieces missing from the early Pioneer format that made Winding Constrictor very good there. And like Nissa comes to mind. We still don't have that card. Three mana Nissa. But there are things like Vivian floating around. So I'll play with this card. 
I think it's going to be a trap in a lot of instances, and it's still waiting for just a little bit more support. Yeah. Uh, one thing to note is that you don't have walking ballista, right? And that's a big oh, part of point. it. Yeah. It was it was a huge part of the deck's utility, and it gave you the ability to like burn people out, control the board, and now basically you're just making power. You know, it's just way less impressive. Right. It feels like we need some kind of replacement you you need the arcbound ravager type effect that's what all these decks have been missing for me a way to move things around at instant speed and complicate combat obviously arcbound ravagers don't grow on trees probably thankfully i don't think we want too many of those around but there's there's got to be wait wait until mirrodin remastered uh, who knows (laughs) who knows where this format's going anything's possible uh maybe that will be the case but for the time being medium unwinding constrictor all right, next. Did you know that Bomek Courier is one of my favorite cards of all time? I feel like I knew that. Yeah, I mean, you you certainly played enough with this card in the uh, red-black era of Standard and were a huge Bomek Courier fan. I've never, never seen you go too far out of your way to include it, though. Like, you've just played it pretty much stock, like mono-red, black-red. Those are the notebook deck lists, man. Okay. <laughs> those are the ones <laughs> They don't make deep. it out of the notebook? No, I mean, Bowman Courier has been enabling like Spire of Industry in a lot of my very, very bad decks that have not seen the, the light of day. But yeah, outside of random garbage brews, this is like the perfect aggro card to me yeah. because, you know, it, it, it does like the, the attacky haste thing. That's cool. Uh, but it is a cheap threat. I think, you know, aggro decks that have access to good one drops and ones that don't are just leagues apart, right? And we see that kind of like in standard currently. Yes. And this this is a fine card to play on turn one, and it's potentially card advantage, but it doesn't happen until much later, and you can get around it by blocking or just like killing it when it's tapped out. There's just so much counterplay involved. Like this card is just perfect, man. It just is. I thankfully have uh, some expert analysis I can offer here. As you know, Janelle and I play Pioneer with each other. Yes. And so she generally plays Mono Red, although she recently has started getting into Green Devotion. Really enjoys that deck. But I was hoping you were going to say like Lotus Breach combo or whatever. No, no, she's, she's seen it. Gone, she she, she kind of lost interest in the Lotus combo very quickly. She's just like, let me know when I'm dead. And I'm like, okay, will do. But the first time she played against Bomat Courier, I was playing the Insole Artifact deck. And she was on mono red and my Bomat courier was just like not the prevailing threat. So I was able to stay on the battlefield for quite some turns. Yep. And then I cashed it in for five cards. And she's just like, that card's too good for one mana. And I'm like, I kind of agree with you. It, it really does do a lot for one mana. You shouldn't be able to get five cards You're from your one mana. You're right it is, Janelle. It's uh, way too good. Right. So she nails another one. She, she spotted it very cleanly. Bomat courier. I expect to see play in both mono red aggressive decks. Any kind of artifact-based brew can benefit from a Bomat Courier. And there is a lot of like weird colorless stuff floating around this format. So maybe you can do something with that as well as a way to refuel in those decks. Emery, God Pharaoh's Gift. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff. This card's great. Yeah, uh, agreed. Scrap Peep Scrounger is another one that is going to help prop up Mono Black, I think. I think you purposely left that off the list so that we could talk about it later. Yeah, I mean, same type of thing where you you have now a recursive option that they have benefited from in Pioneer. And there was like Skyclave Shade, which I I thought might also fill this role, at least until Scrap Heap Scrounger showed up. Uh, but now there's a ton of this effect. So if you just need to have a way to play through like 
basically the Azorius control deck, which is also a pretty popular fixture in Historic. This is an interesting option. Although, like you said, they do tend to play Grafdigger's Cage Main, so that's a knock against it. But still, that's not why this card really succeeded. It succeeded because on rate, it was very acceptable. Like two mana colorless, three, two, which is very important for a lot of these decks, is worth it. And you can get by with an aggressive plan and you still get this recursive ability as the game goes along. There's also probably like weird combo potential with this card as well, which we've certainly seen pop up from time to time. So this feels very impactful. Yeah, it's weird. Like Skyclave Shade, oh, it should be should be close to this, but I don't know. Like you run out of lands to make. Instant speed is definitely yes. very relevant against sweepers. There's artifact synergies. There's the fact that like if your mana was a little wonky, you could still cast this on turn two. I mean, maybe we don't really have those issues anymore, but there was just I, I think it was like really undervalued how many small things that this card had going for it and now it's back. So now it gets yeah. to prop up these decks again. So I'm happy about that. It felt like the glue of the format it was present. And all these like Mardu Vehicles deck were so reliant on Scrap Heap Scrounger to do everything they needed to do. They needed to be able to cast their aggressive draws through uncertain mana. They needed to be able to turn on Spire of Industry. They needed to be able to crew Heart of Cure. And all these things came up over and over. And Scrap Heap Scrounger just ticked all those boxes. Going to tick a lot of boxes in the historic format as well. Yeah. And then, then we have SRAM. Tell me about SRAM. Well, I, I think the Aura's decks in Historic were already very close. And SRAM is just another engine for those decks. You get, again, redundancy. That's a huge, huge key of deck building in the more eternal formats, like just being able to consistently execute your plans and adding SRAM to the mix to go alongside the core spirit dancers of the format. It, it's going to get you a lot of points and you're just going to routinely draw a large portion of your deck every time you play one of these lords. Of course, you know you have Loris as well to recast them from the graveyard. So I expect Auras to regain some points. It can either be just like blue-white, mono-white, or we could go to something resembling more the Pioneer deck that is black-white. And that's really the one I like. Picking up Thoughtseize, a little bit of disruption is appealing to me. So uh, again, I think this is just another card that elevates a tier 2.5 tier 2 deck into the realm of possible tier 1.5 tier 1 ish yeah no i definitely agree with you this is uh not a thing that i'm super happy to play with or against but is it's definitely powerful now Mm -hmm. also need to talk about the fast lands we have uh the enemy colored fast lands that i i think are just gonna be super good in a bunch of different decks uh still waiting on the allied color ones. I doubt they're going to be reprinted though. So for things like Rakdos, which has kind of had mana struggles in this format and, you know, things like Pioneer 2, it's kind of a shame. Why don't you think those will be reprinted? Uh, Haven't people just like decided that they're too good? I don't think so. I I think they're coming at some point. I will say too, if you're going to just randomly add things to sets, why didn't you just add them here? Doesn't it seem like you could just complete the cycle here for historic? Like, why did you want? Hmm. I wanted to make I, I wanted to make the argument because it's not legal in Pioneer, but neither is Phyrexian Tower. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think whatever. if if so, assuming like Pathway or DFC is like a Zendikar exclusive thing, and the other Pathways are not going to get reprinted, then that that would have been a great place for those. Yeah, 
Maybe it's yeah. weird to make new cards, but whatever. It is. It's all weird, though. I mean, we can't use it's weird as an excuse when Phyrexian Tower is in the format. So True, true. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure of the deck that this these prop up the most, but you know, you're talking about like Orzov auras, right? Yeah. The Orzov auras deck needs these to function. So that, that's a huge pickup for sure. Yeah. That's the one that immediately comes to mind. I mean, a lot of the mid range and control decks are pretty top heavy, right? Like they're going up to Mm -hmm. Nyssa and Hydra crisis. These aren't forests. So a lot of the time you just prefer to have a triome and those sorts of decks generally, but I don't know for any sort of fast deck, this is these are the perfect cards. This disruptive aggressive decks are where I get most excited about. So like things that want to both both cast Thoughtseize and an aggressive creature on turn two are what I'm really into. So we we mentioned things like the Winding Constrictor deck. I'm not super high on the idea, but it can exist without Blooming Marsh, and now it has it. Yeah. Blossoming defense. I think this card is still maybe underrated. I agree with you. And I don't even have like a good home for this right now. I know people will do electric electrostatic pummeler stuff. I've mostly always hated those decks. I think they are routinely overrated. But blossoming defense is the part of those decks I love. And when people try and challenge you on a very specific mode of interaction, you just get to wreck their day with blossoming defense. There's no infect in this format. There's no like, I don't know, double strikey type setups yet. But there could be. And Blossoming Defense will always play a key role in those. I've actually just been really happy with this in like the mono green aggro decks. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And I, I think it's you know, normally they're just like three mana, five, five or whatever. And they just play those until your, their opponent dies. But that's such a big mana investment a lot of the time when you're potentially trading with like one or two mana interaction. And this is a thing that allows you to actually like keep pace with them. And yeah. normally this has been like a sideboard card. Like we saw Rangers Guile out of the sideboard of some Gruel decks and stuff like that. But like, you know, this is just way better. Right. And yes. very, main, very main deckable. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't have a great home to point you towards, but I expect Blossoming Defense to become more and more a part of the format as time goes on. Yeah, it's just it's another tool that people have to work with. So I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, Metallic Rebuke, another card that I am a very big fan of, perhaps to my detriment, but having that card show up kind of like in mass, in modern, in like the Urza decks and stuff like that made me very, very happy. It's just very clearly that you need the right sort of tools to enable it, and we might be there. Yeah, what are you kind of envisioning as the home for this? Because when we saw it rise in modern, it was based on the back of Astrolabe obviously. Uh, Mox, Opal, all, all those decks were extremely stocked with ways to very quickly get Metallic Rebuke online. And are you thinking some kind of like Embry type Mox Amber setups here or just willing to... I guess that we talked about Bomat Courier, right? There's there's plenty of Bomat Courier stuff you can do. And oh, yeah. More oh, yeah. colorless stuff. So maybe artifact-based blue decks... Let me let me pull up this list. This is not necessarily where I was going, but uh, Michael Majors wrote an article on Star City that had a bunch of Kaladesh decks in it, and he's he's a pretty big improvised fan. Michael's deck is Psy Master Thopterus, which was another card that enabled this card in standard. And for cheap artifacts, he has a couple of Mox Ambers, Renegade Maps, 
Not a huge fan of that one. I mean, like Chromatic Sphere is legal. Uh, surprised to not see any of those. He also has two main deck copies of Graph Digger's Cage. We talked about that earlier, so that's kind of cute. Maze Mind Tome. It's not the you know most perfect enabler or anything, but it does exist. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Sai Sai is definitely a big one. That one is huge. Yeah, I want to see what we can get up to with artifacts in general. Obviously, many many powerful artifacts hitting the mix of playable cards with the release of this set. And we'll talk about more as we go outside of our top 10 list. But a lot of my focus is on what kind of tricksy things can we get up to with these artifacts? And maybe Metallic Rebuke is going to fuel a lot of that. Dude, Thoughtseize, Metallic Rebuke, Chromatic Sphere to enable Fatal Push. Like, this deck is perfect. Uh, well, <laughs> okay. You haven't actually done anything yet, but you've piqued my interest regardless. So yeah, but I've, I've cast like seven spells in the first you have. turns, man. Like you ow. have at that point, you just need a reload. You know, or, I love cheap interactive spells and it sounds like you are now putting them together for me. Maybe we could do like a fake death shadow type setup with scourge of the skyclaves where we're challenging our own life total a little bit. Ooh, we just get that I, cheap beater out there. I like, I like drawing cards more than killing people, but you might be onto something. Interesting. Bomac Courier Scourge has a modern pedigree of success. I'll just throw that out there. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's true. And this format has thoughts to you, Shocklands. All right. Very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. Let's do it. We also we also can uh, use the double face cards to ping ourselves a little bit more. Now, the, the tricksy thing about Scourge is you also have to damage your opponent at the same time. So you yes. got to cross that bridge as well. That's what Bomac Courier is for. Okay. There you Dude, go. You figured it out. Agadim's Awakening back, my Bowman Courier. Makes me so happy. Love it. Uh, last card to wrap up our unofficial top 10 list is Heart of Kieran. I'm less sold on this one than, you know, compared to its standard lifetime or anything. It's not easy to crew. And a lot of our great three mana planeswalkers are like banned. Yep. So that makes it a little bit more difficult. But I don't know. I mean, when there's a scrap heap scrounger, there's a way. I'm pretty sure. That tracks. Um, we'll have to figure out what three mana planeswalker is going to reliably crew this. I part of me believes you can do something with Sahili still. And I don't I don't know exactly what. I was kind of thinking about it and looking over it, and I was contemplating it alongside like it, it goes well with what Kethis is trying to do. The problem is you've now stretched firmly into five colors. So that's probably Who cares? not realistic. I, Who cares? I don't know. That That's a lot. But still. Spire of like, Invention and Chromatic yeah. Sphere solve all problems. Springleaf Drum. Maybe true. There, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of ways to make it work. But Heart of Kieran, if you find the right three mana planeswalkers to back up. I think we'll be very strong. Who do we have for options? Like, you don't really want to use Narset with it. We're missing Nissa, like we said. Yeah, Teferi's gone. Teferi's gone. Oko's gone. I don't really know. I don't know who's going to be fueling Heart, but powerful magic card, good pedigree. Any three mana planeswalker that comes in the future, you can certainly think about. I guess there's like new Jace. Can you do something there? Maybe. I don't know. It's weird but interesting so like yeah. jace jace certainly works better than like narset you know yeah yeah i i feel like this could be a two of in gruel aggro too i mean i i know that you're probably not a fan of cutting creatures from the collected company deck can't in order do it. to to heart of Kieran, but nope no nope. uh I, you're dude, you're you're not legally obligated to play uh collected company so okay then i can consider it 
Like burning tree into this. That's that's kind of a combo. You're a good portion of the way there, I would say. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So now now we get to the fun stuff. You ready for this? This is I am this ready is for this. This is going to be a lot of I don't know what this does. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one is Baral, uh, Chief of Compliance. I think is his name. I just wrote down Baral. That sounds correct. What, what does this do? I don't know. Don't yeah. know. I have, cool. I have no clue, but it's a very Sorry. powerful card. Uh, it's, again, redundant with Goblin Electromancer. Is that card legal? That card's legal, right? Yeah, it's in it's in the Ravnica sets. Okay, we're safe. Uh, yeah, so now you have multiple versions of that. Obviously, that was the backbone of, like, Storm in Modern. We don't have any Storm cards here. But cost reduction is messed up. Redundant cost reduction can be really messed up. There's other cards here that we're going to talk about that have teamed up with Baral before. To great effect. I'll just spoil it now. Paradoxical outcome. Yeah. We've done this. Metallic Rebuke, Sigh. Ever heard yeah. of it? Yeah. I don't know that these decks really hit the heights that we sort of expected from them. They didn't quite get there, but they were close. And certainly if you expand the card pool dramatically, they look completely different and they pick up a lot of tools. So see what we can do with those cards together. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's kind of the obvious home for me. I don't know if you want to try doing Arclight Phoenix things. That's definitely one of the things that has mostly been underpowered throughout the entirety of this format. But yeah. Brawl is a slightly better Electromancer for that sort of deck. I don't know. I've I've played Brawl with Metallic Rebuke in those outcome decks. I really like that. If you're also doing like an artifact sub-theme, that's pretty nice. Uh, if you can you know, pair any counterspell with it in your Phoenix deck, then that's that's pretty cool. But... I would imagine at some point there's going to be some spell-based deck. It's just a, a card that has an effect that is potentially breakable. And if we didn't talk about it, then somewhere along the line, we'd look like fools. Yep. Uh, Toolcraft Exemplar. This is one that I think is pretty medium for a lot of different reasons. Mostly agree with you. Uh, again, like there's just good one-drop options. You're not as constrained as you were before. But if you... I feel like we always try and make Mardu vehicles happen, but there's kind of a good reason to when you think about the ability to play Thoughtseize in the deck, and you really do want cheap beaters to go alongside your Heart of Curins, your Scrap Heap Scroungers, and Toolcraft can do that job, and I don't think you're going to be punished that hard on the mana. Like You can actually make it work. So that's worth exploring at least... I don't know that it keeps pace with the more explosive options, but like all of these aggressive decks in this format, unless they're big, like Gruel, they should be Thoughtseize decks. And so one mana threats that you can cast in your Thoughtseize deck are at least worth a mention, I think, when you're going over this set. So I don't like this card because I don't know what white is really offering you. (sighs) Talia? That's a good card. That's a great card. I mean, that's that's the thing that comes to mind as a unique aspect of white. Uh, now, obviously, like that doesn't go particularly well with the idea of I'm playing a bunch of Heart yep, of Kirins. Yep. Um, but in in so many ways, Thalia Heart of Kirin just do not work in so many ways. Yeah, but you can you can like put together a kind of white reddish taxes deck based on Bomat Courier. Uh, Toolcraft Exemplar, Heart of Kirin, Thalia. Uh, I don't know. This feels more and more dicey as I go through it. 
there's there's no there's no Gideon, right? Like there's no four mana payoff. Like you could just you can do Chandra stuff, or I'm sure you know Rankle or whatever. But ultimately, it comes down to Toolcraft Exemplar is like the one good white card in this sort of list. You know, no no Thraben Inspector or anything like that. It's like right. why would we be white? Yeah, that's a hard question for me to answer right now. The only thing I have for you is Thalia, but I, I would have to really think about what that sketch looks like for a reasonable exemplar Thalia deck to exist. Yeah, so I think the Toolcraft, like one mana for a uh, you know, potential three power creature is is definitely good enough to stand up in this format. The mono black uh, aggro creatures outside of like Knight of the Ebon Legion are all pretty embarrassing. So I would definitely like to have a little bit more power there, but... Sure. Uh, there, there's some artifacts worth playing, some that aren't, and the rest of the white cards are not great. And I'm not too keen on the idea of splashing this, even if it's quote unquote free off of fast lands and shock lands and stuff like that. So, right. Uh, refurbish a white card. I actually like, uh, I'm not sure if refurbish on God Pharaoh's gift is stronger than, playing, you know, mono black or really any of the gate to the afterlife decks. I will say that refurbish is a little bit more explosive. Like you don't have to build towards gift and then also have usually five mana in the same turn to like play and activate it. But, you know, you're also working off your graveyard a little bit more and stuff like that. So it has pros and cons, I think. But again, white card bad. Yeah, I mostly think this is nonsense, but... Every artifact that ever gets printed can potentially interact with it. So the most obvious thing is God Pharaoh's gift, but maybe there's something else as this format gets weirder and weirder where we can go to refurbish. I am pretty skeptical of this one though. Okay. What about Torrential Gear Hulk? I might be even more skeptical about Torrential Gear Hulk. <laughs> and the problem really just lies in mystical dispute. Like you do not want this to be your finisher in control decks. And I think people love this card myself included i played a lot of torrential gear hulk and enjoyed it quite a bit although basically my control decks in this format only got good when i cut torrential gear hulk so that probably says something i don't think the cards that exist now have lined up well for torrential gear hulk and it is outclassed by everything else you can be doing and it's not how we close games with control decks anymore so mostly passing on this one it's it's a little small ball. I think it is decent with Pact of Negation, though. Okay, that's nice. Not not necessarily as like flashing back Pact of Negation, but you know, using it to protect Tap it out, or protect whatever. It, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just can't get over the whole mystical dispute thing. Like the, yeah, the six that's, mana that's into the bad. one mana counter is just awful. That's bad. I mean, we're still doing the Teferi thing, right? But Teferi, I think, is bigger impact, uh, more versatile, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's a little bit different, but I would not be surprised to see the control decks play like one or two copies of this. I mean, blue white has things like settle the wreckage, commit memory that are kind of spicy with this. So like playing copies in small numbers might be worth it. I guess here's here's the thing I'm going to come back to with this card is that you can't you can't really come up with a use case for me that solves a problem these decks presently have. Agreed. Like, you're you're just trying to tell me that this card is better than all other conceivable options. And I don't really believe that. I, I think there's just better magic cards now. So if, if this gets to a point where like closing the game in a four turn window is very important and that's what you're playing towards over and over, or, you know, there's some kind of 
recursive setup you want to use, or if for whatever reason, like Urian blinking this becomes important, then okay, you, you have a reason for it. But as it stands right now, I just like, this doesn't seem better than other finishers you can potentially play in blue-white. Last thing, I guess it's worth noting that if the format continues to be in a place where you want to main deck Graph Taker's Cage, that is not great. Agreed. So that might be the one thing that keeps this from actually showing up. Because normally I think people would just like jam it in their decks to try it, you know? Right. Minister of, I think it's Inquiries. Mm. Is Impediments like some other really weird old card? It is Minister of Inquiries. I just I just typed it wrong. Okay. You have Minister of Impediments written down, which is actually uh, a card from Shadowmore. Nice. No, no, no. This is a uh, dissension. It is two oh, blue yeah. white hybrid tap to tap target creature one one. Nice. Yeah. My brain, my brain went on a a weird spree there. So I made this list by having a tab open on my phone, and then I would like go into notes and write it down. So in between, like you know, changing applications. That's what happened. My brain. That's when you switched to Minister of Impediments. You just missed this limited all-star so much. You had to get its moment on the cast. Exactly. So Minister of Inquiries, I do like. There wasn't a whole lot of reason to be blue in the the God Pharaoh gifts in Historic. And, you know, we got Champion of Wits. Now we have this. And now we're kind of back in a place where it's it's on the table. It's not just mono black is the thing that you want to be doing. It might also just be blue stuff. I just don't like these God Pharaoh's gifts decks they've never impressed me and i just think you can do better things in historic so i'm not sure minister of impediments is going to unlock it for me but i agree it's a potential tool for that archetype if there's a reason for that archetype to exist were of invention you're gonna poo poo on this one too aren't you no i'm not i I actually this card is just like low-key broken uh it's a card that many, many moons ago, I ordered a bunch of foil copies of and it's just been sitting on for a long time because I think it's like a extremely, extremely powerful effect and it can enable lots of weird stuff. The problem is I can't tell you exactly what weird stuff it's supposed to be enabling in this format. Like obviously when you go back to things like modern and you can get ensnaring bridge, this card does a lot more. When we're in this format, uh, I, I'm sure there's something I'm supposed to be doing with this and there's some kind of combo-ish setup you can get up to. But I believe in this card abstractly. I think it's extremely, extremely powerful. I just have no clue where I'm at in Historic with it. It's it's basically the problem I've had with every single Emery deck that I've built. It's like, okay, you can spin your wheels a bunch and you have a lot of enablers, but what are what's the actual payoff? And Whirr has a lot of the same problems. Yeah. So one of the things that I was doing, I just remembered this right now, is that when Pioneer started, I had an Emery War of Invention, like basically mono blue Marvel deck. And I believe I had a Golos uh, also at the top end that could get a Shrine to hardcast Ulamog or oh, Lord. or the, the Rainbow Land to activate Golos. We have gone deep already on day one. Uh, it, was, I- it was deep. It was deep. I'm not saying this is good, but it's like, you know, were for Golos or were for Marvel. Like these are the things that we're doing. I don't, I don't think that that's it, you know? Well, we're on the same page in terms of this card has potential and can do stuff. I'm not sure we have the stuff to do yet, but like, like I said, I bought this many moons ago because at some point this is the type of card that should break 
And as we add more and more things to the historic format, I have a feeling we'll see more of War of Invention. What a bunch of jerks not really giving us any busted artifacts. People hate busted artifacts. Things like Ensnaring Bridge are just like nightmare fuel for a lot of players. So I, I get it. I want them, though. Oh, I was being facetious. I think that they're they're doing a good job of not printing busted <laughs> artifacts. I would like many busted artifacts, please. I like the weird prisony ones, though. I don't want to just like win the game with my artifact. Oh, yeah, that's that's boring. That's what I don't like about Torrential Gearhulk is that it wins the game too quick. Agreed. Gifted Aetherborn, yay or nay? Uh, like yay in various spots. It, it's an important role player. Uh, it depends what the metagame is. It has its place. I'm not excited about it, but it, it's good to have it exist. Mono Black will often turn to this, so it's yeah. fine. Uh, I could see playing this in Mono Black Gift, too. I know that you don't care for that deck, but you have a, a lifelink option to get now. Yeah, yeah. Nice. No, I understand why you want it. That makes sense. Chandra Torch of Defiance card that I think a lot of people will maybe expected to be on the top 10. Maybe. Uh, the problem is I can't tell you what this card is supposed to do in the format. Like it again is asking for a type of magic that we're not mostly playing right now. It feels a little underpowered, a weird thing to say about this card and how impactful it was, but you compare it to the options we've had recently and it doesn't quite line up and it, it'll see play a hundred percent. Uh, bigger gruel decks can use it extremely well. I am sure that will be a thing. There's some type of mid-range-ish Jund-looking stuff. If nothing else, this is like a sideboard option for a control matchup. So it's a very, very valid playable card. I just don't think it shifts any of the existing paradigms of the format all that much and hasn't really changed the metagame. Yeah, mostly agree. I think this card was significantly nerfed by the the damage redirection to Planeswalkers. Mm, good point. So if you could use this to like, you know, pick off Narsets and go after Teferis, then it would be a little bit more viable. But now in, in the case of like Gruul, it's like, why aren't we just doing like Clothis or even like Heart of Kirin, you know, like if you're trying to dodge a sweeper or have a difficult to remove permanent, like this just doesn't really stack up. Yeah. Verderer's Gearhulk, speaking of stacking up. What am I supposed to do with this card? Like I'll, I'll put one in my Vivian sideboards. That's probably yeah. the thing I can do with it. But I, again, it feels a little outdated. Not quite as powerful as I expect from my five mana play anymore. And I winding Constructor into this, I highly doubt that's going to be a thing. And people are going to want to make it a thing. I think you should probably save your Mythic Wild cards on this one. Again, loses a lot of utility without Ballista, right? Yeah, this absolutely. Is, this is just power and toughness. We noted that constrictor has a, a decent amount of friends now and you don't have to work that hard to make you know things pretty big so not a big fan of this one agreed what about renegade rallier this card is sweet but i don't know what we do with it yeah in the absence of fetch lands this is a hard one to do uh reliably right and i, I think that's really where it makes a lot of its money obviously fabled passage is a very widely played card in the format but not quite as clean there Chromatic so, Sphere, Unbridled Growth, not doing okay. it for you? Uh, I mean, that's something, but I don't know. It just seems like decks that want this effect can usually get it from Loris a lot easier, uh, a lot cleaner. Like, they're usually topping out around this point anyway. And Dude, that's a, that's a good point. This card is, like, kind of embarrassing next to Loris. 
Yeah, it's it's been outmoded in a bunch of ways. And again, I will restate the fact that it, you can just play Luris in your main deck. Like nobody even seems to consider that. But like, yep. it's just a good magic card. So if this is the effect you really want, you can probably go that way instead. Aether Sphere Harvester. I think I like this card more than most. Well, again, it depends what the metagame's about. And having this in the format, I think, is a net positive. It's good for a bunch of decks to have a pretty reasonable option against hard, aggressive red decks. I think red decks have declined a little bit over the last few, I don't know, months, I would say. It felt like there was a moment where they were super strong in historic, maybe like the last historic open. They were really powerful. People were doing like the Thermo Alchemist stuff. Uh, I think that's trended down a little bit. But if it ever picks back up, I will be happy to have access to Harvester. Yeah, I like this card a lot as a go-to in you know, any sort of creature mirror, basically. And mm-hmm. I think I think even this against like Jun Sacrifice looks pretty solid. Interesting. I wouldn't have turned to it there, but I, I understand what you're getting at. Yeah, it's like it's hard to mayhem devil, pretty hard to priest, can't claim it. Yeah. And you get to back up your life total a little bit, which is always at risk against those decks and their capacity for burst damage. So I, yeah. I buy it. Uh, another card I, I mistyped, Hope of Kirapur. Yes. Is is Heart a different card? Uh, Heart of Kirin, I think. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, this card bears mention for its inclusion in Kethis, if nothing yeah. else, where it's actually very important. Also, if we get up to weird combo-y stuff, maybe that will be the play as well, though that mostly doesn't exist right now. Uh, again, another fine option, a fixed Xanted Swarm very happy to see this one included metallic mimic i i I like this card i've put it in decks i'm basically always disappointed though (laughs) i seconded that again you need to benefit from these counters the clearest way to do so is like fueling your walking ballista and what what creature type do you think you'll first name with your metallic mimic for historic, I think elf is pretty easy. Okay. Does that actually improve the elf deck whatsoever? I don't think so, but I think no, people are going to do so it regardless. Either. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure this is adding a lot of points to decks, but any tribe can consider it. That's important. And as more tribes come along, maybe Metallic Mimic will have a chance. Humans need some one drops. Yeah. And I, I think I, that... I agree with that. I think of, regardless of that, they don't need Metallic Mimic, but... Okay. And then Goblins is the one where I think that this is just obviously a bad home for that, but they might do it anyway. I I hope not. Not what Goblins is about. Uh, In the realm of sideboard cards, we have Ceremonious Rejection. This card is nice. I like this card a lot. I put this in a lot of sideboards, probably more than I should. Um, When it comes to modern, for the most part, I play a lot of Ceremonious Rejections in my blue decks. And if Etherworks Marvel is going to be a thing, we'll be happy this card's around. I appreciate having this as an option. As the format shakes up right now, I don't know that you really need to go hard on this card, but having it as an option, very, very good. There's the uh, Monument deck that's monocolorless, you know? Yeah, so this there is. This is a good option I mean, against that. That's, that's pretty far down the tier list, frankly. Yeah. But it, it could get better. I mean, like there's meaningful cards here, so I could see that deck improving a little bit as well i know will polium was tweeting about a colorless deck that he was working on in the historic format that i saw that looked pretty interesting so yeah i retweeted that good to have checks on ideas like that 
hidden stockpile, I think is just bad, real bad. Okay, it's mostly nonsense, and I agree with you, but I enjoy this card a lot, and I was thinking of, like, where do I want this? And I could put together a red-black sacrifice deck that, for whatever reason, doesn't want access to green anymore, and, like, wants white. I don't know why it wants white, but if there ever was a point in the future where that was something I wanted, I think you could maybe get enough value out of hidden stockpile to just, like, go off and kill your opponent. So, yeah. Maybe, possibly. Stockpile cat oven, potentially. Kind of, sort of, right? Like there's something there. Very small ball. Very, it is. The smallest of balls. I guess I guess cat oven lends itself pretty well to triggering on both turns, but. It does. Yeah, I don't think you'll have a hard time making the tokens. I just think it's really hard to get any value whatsoever out of the tokens. Yeah. Does, does make Priest of Forgotten Gods maybe trivial, which is nice. Yeah. Okay. All right, Aether Flux Reservoir. Uh, there are some decks that have played multiple copies of this. Uh, I think for the most part, this is just like in, in, in Pulliam's deck, for example, he was going off with Mystic Forge, Paradox Engine, and had one copy of this as the kill condition. I could see this as like were targets to win the game in Paradox Cloudcome decks. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a tool. It's an artifact that kills people. Uh, that's exactly it. A bunch of stupid combo decks have leaned on this card as their kill condition. And uh, if you found a way to do something weird and generate a bunch of spells and mana and don't really know how you're supposed to end the game, this will often be your answer. Lifecrafter's Bestiary is a card that I have loved in the past, but kind of similarly to Chandra, I think life is sort of passed it by. Feels a little small. It was an important part of the early Pioneer format, which gives me a little bit of hope because I would say these formats are kind of on the same power level for the most part, but it, it needs to be about a mid-range style of magic, which mostly is not what's being played in the historic space right now. Everything's a little bit more linear, a little bit more direct than just trying to get a few cards and generate a little value. So has a home, doesn't feel like it does right now. What about Scrap Trawler? What are you getting up to with Scrap Trawler? Don't know. No idea, but just a card with a pedigree of being somewhat broken and somewhat powerful. And if you're able to move a bunch of artifacts around or do Tashar nonsense or whatever, this card has proven its worth if you put enough pieces around it. And as you mentioned, there are like bunches of spheres and stars, and thankfully there's no Carrot Clan Ironworks, but it doesn't take a lot to benefit say, from a Scrap Did you say Carrot Clan? Carrick. Is that what it's not called? What, what's the name of the card? Krark. Krark. So it's like, K-R-A-R-K? Yeah, like the, the dude without thumbs. I, I've i always read that word as K-A-R-A-K. Every single time I've ever looked at it in my life. Word. Krark. Yeah. Learn something new every podcast, Jerry. That's why I come week after week <laughs> is to learn this stuff. I was like, Carrot Clan? Like, what, <laughs> what, what are we doing? Rabbit-based decks, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no no KCI. I wonder if there's a way, like, Tishar is definitely interesting, but I wonder if there's a way that you could go off, like, Kinnon, Golden Egg, returning my Chromatic Sphere, returning my Mox Amber, or whatever. Okay. I haven't found it thus far, but you've made some mana and you've moved things around. And I don't know, maybe like now you cast Paradoxical Outcome with all this stuff. Well, Does yeah, I mean, like Tashar kills in a lot of those scenarios, right? So, yeah. Okay. 
It's interesting. This is oh, this is going to be another one of those decks that like majors builds or you build and you send me and it just like doesn't work on arena. Is Tashar fixed yet? Because I don't know. I'm still traumatized by that. Yeah, that last experience with Tashar was just miserable, and uh, it was it was very painful. I thought we had kind of a broken deck, and just like nope, can't play this. Yeah, uh, inadvertently banned. I guess that's one way to do it. Anyway, card is card is probably cool. Uh, this is more of a thing that I would be interested in doing in real life than online, and you know that's that's like a year out. So sure. Uh, finally, finally, we have big old boat sky sovereign console flagship. This is seen play in a bunch of spots as just like a fair sideboard card to bring in, but also uh, Karn is in the format, and I, I think like this has been an important part of many many Karn packages. Ugh. So whenever I see Karn into this thing, I'm just like, come on, this is not, this is not a thing that you should be doing. It is a tool in your utility belt. Like it's a, when it's Batman, a tool. when Batman loads up his utility belt, he's not thinking like, oh, I'm going to use all my smoke pellets today. He's just thinking I have a smoke pellet. Should I need it? And that's what Sky Sovereign console flagship is. Yeah, but he's, he's also not carrying like a hundred pounds of smoke pellets, you know, like he it, probably he probably picks and chooses how you, far he goes down the smoke pellet path. Right. You only have 15 sideboard slots, man. You only have so many little loopy pocket things on your utility belt, right? Yeah. I mean, like, look, these decks mostly give up their sideboard. Once they go down the road of Karn, they're committed to the idea. So and I hate that. I hate it I so much. I know. You try and you try and bridge the gap between the two. And I'm not sure what the correct way to do it is. I, I think you benefit from the wide wide range of options and it's really hard to swing a meaningful number of matchups with just like the three sideboard slots you have remaining but if you have a problem that needs addressing people should probably put that option on the table more often and i agree they default to just giving up entirely on the sideboard i will say that when i've worked on this style of deck in pioneer I've gotten to the same place i just haven't found much to do with the sideboard maybe that's on me maybe you can find something better but I've been happy to have my console flagship in that format. Look, if if you were playing Devotion and Karn was not a card, or you determined that you should not be playing it, you would find cards to fill your sideboard that did a job. And of course. Instead, you're you're just you're just not doing that. And I don't understand. But to that end, uh, we have the mocks this weekend, which is modern and pioneer and another fake format in Vintage Cube. And mm-hmm. I was watching uh, Michael Jacobs stream his testing and he's playing mono green and yeah, cyborg is just all one ofs and hate it. I, I saw his list. It's basically how I would build my list too. So I understand what you're saying. It's just, I haven't found something better in this format and I have gotten my console flagship on many occasions and it has bailed me out and closed games. So I, I get that it's use appears narrow but if I hadn't grabbed it a bunch of times, then I would be more skeptical of it. And I have, and it's been very good in those spots. Ham sandwich, ham sandwich. You can always narrow your sideboard slots, guaranteed. Okay. That's I'm looking it. forward to your to your updated Pioneer mono green list. Fire that one off. Uh, may or may not go down that route. But if I, if I do make one, I do work on it, I'll definitely let you know. Okay. You'll be the first person that I send my garbage deck list to. Uh, the feeling is mutual, so I'm glad, I'm glad we Hell have that yeah. relationship. Hell yeah. All right. Question of the week today comes from Trackball, 
And Trackball wants to know, what do you think about the cards specifically left out of Kaladesh Remastered? Should they have been included? And we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Basically, I I don't understand what what is happening. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I get the vision of this is going to be Pioneer, right? But like, A, why is that the case? B, when you include sculpting steel in this format. That is where my format, head explodes. Yeah, so you include sculpting steel, right? And literally nothing else. How? What, what, how, is, what how is going on? How did we Why? get to that decision? Like, I, I can see, I can see in choosing to include sculpting steel, like that makes some degree of sense. If you're like, okay, we're looking for cards to add to this. Uh, I could see and, le- leaving some cards out or maybe just replacing one the one card you chose to remove with Sculpting Steel. I need one replacement. This will be it. But that's not what happened here. This like Everything was on the table. We removed some cards, uh, correctly so, I think. Like I'm okay with Smuggler's Copter and what was the other one? Felidar, the, Ballista. Felidar Guardian, Ballista. I'm, I'm fine with all that going. Like They're not going to be part of the format anyway for very long, so you can get rid of them. But like you replaced them with one sculpting steel like what was this meeting like i want to be a fly on the wall for the meeting where they decided that sculpting steel had to be a part of this particular set why why even have one card why not just make it like a clean zero is it because you now created the expectation that there's going to be new stuff based on Amonkhet remastered if that's the case don't do it don't do it in Amonkhet remastered then I have no idea. I have no idea. And like, did you did you fulfill the expectation of having new cards in the set by adding that one sculpting steel? Like people would have been outraged if there was nothing. But since there's sculpting steel, everything's okay and we understand what you're trying to do with the format. It's just so strange. To answer the question very directly, the cards left out should have been left out. Like otherwise they would just be banned and you'd have a whole wild card issue. So I appreciate them getting ahead of that and removing these cards from the set preemptively. I don't understand leaving Marvel in under those constraints, even if it's not that good, which I think is a pretty good possibility. It just is not fun. I would have gotten rid of that too. But the thing I really just can't put together is how Sculpting Steel ends up here and nothing else. It makes no sense to me. Here's one. Here's one. And maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense because there's a similar card in the set, we'll say. Who doesn't love a good Trinket Mage? I, right, I, if, I do love Trinket Mage. I, yes, I, I understand you want to fuel cards like that. So what's the one that is included in Kaladesh Remastered? Trophy Mage. Okay, so you Herb. wanted one more thing for Trophy Mage, and therefore you had to add Sculpting Steel. That was the change that this set absolutely demanded. That's what has improved the play no, experience for so, everyone who's signing up. So my rationale is like, okay, we're looking for new cards that are going to be cool to include in Kaladesh Remastered. And someone's like, sculpting steel and then everyone else is either like you know raises their hand and says a a heinous idea or everyone's like i got nothing and then like the meeting just ends and that's how you end up with just sculpting steel but like off the top of my head i think of trinket mage and it's like that's another card that you could add right yeah and i think people would be like oh that's kind of cool and trophy mage in the set is like oh well maybe it's like too weird that they're similar mages or whatever but it's like also that's why those cards were made right like trophy mage was made as a yeah exactly so i i don't know it's i i I guess i think it's funny too that you're like oh you know maybe sculpting steel is there because of trophy mage or whatever it's like okay yeah maybe i guess 
that that gives it like a, a little extra nod, but I'm still just like I don't understand any of this situation. Okay, here's here's the possibility I would like to consider, and I would like to know your estimation of the percentage chance that this is what happened. It's included by mistake and like ended up in the final file Ooh. and everything is just like done. And then somewhere along the line, someone's like, uh, sculpting steel is still here. And they're like, oh, we missed it when we were taking out all these other cards that we finally chose not to include at the last second. Yeah, some, uh, someone was like, hey, that card actually isn't in Aether Revolt. And they're like, are you sure? And then they have to like check or whatever. And it just ends up in the final. I mean, I don't know what this process looks like. I don't know when that decision becomes irreversible. But there's there's a point where like you could have theoretically made a mistake and accidentally included sculpting steel. I just I want to understand so badly of all the mysteries that have come out of Wizards of the Coast over the past 26 years now, all the stories, all the hidden discussions and machinations that we as the public don't get our hands on. This is the one that I want to call in my one time on. Tell us why just sculpting steel. Please explain to me how just this card is included in the set. Better yet. Better yet. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Dear listeners, please send us your sculpting steel conspiracy theories. Oh, wow. We are we, we, we going to become sculpting steel truthers? Is that our, our <laughs> new would, lot life? We would love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely direct those right at Cedric A. Phillips. All of the sculpting steel stories and conspiracy theories you have should head right there. And we'll check those all. And, uh, you know, he works for us. He'll, he'll filter them in our direction. And I'm sure we'll see them all. At Merc Lurker. <laughs> That's another good place to send them. I like that as well. Is Oh, at Merc underscore Lurker. Thank you. Yes, get that right. I find it hard to believe that Merc Lurker with no underscore is taken. Taken. But here, wow. So here many Merc Lurker are. fans out there. Here we are. I, I don't get it. Mysteries. Maybe we'll find out at some point. Maybe we never will. We'll see. Game. Good luck.